My name is Ethan, and this is Crossroads Conversations. Welcome to the show. This is part seven of Water to Wine, A Journey of Faith and Self-Discovery. And I appreciate if you're still listening, or maybe this is your first episode and you're a little bit confused about why there's seven parts to this thing called Water to Wine. Well, if you're new and you've not listened to the previous episodes, I would strongly encourage that because... This is the concluding chapter today, or as concluding a chapter, as you can tell about your own story that is still ongoing, but this will at least catch us up to 2023, I hope, and I appreciate you sticking around and listening to all of these episodes and me rambling on for sometimes over an hour, and I am really excited to wrap this up, and let's see where we end up today. So, Thank you for listening to Water to Wine. Let's get into it. In the last episode, I kind of ended things by talking about this moment that I have honestly not really talked too much about with a ton of people, but this moment where I am praying and just resting, meditating, just being at ease and at peace with some of these decisions and with some of the the conclusions that I'm I'm drawing and some of the things that I'm feeling led to. And uh, not long after that, maybe a month, maybe two months, uh, me and one of my best friends, we went to a concert in Rogers, Arkansas. We went to go see Need to Breathe and beautiful drive. Uh, if you've never been up in that part of the country, Rogers, Arkansas is in northwest Arkansas beautiful area, and I have some family now that have relocated there, and so I'm very lucky to be able to go and visit them fairly often and and hang out there. And that area is uh, really beautiful and has meant a ton to me since uh, 2021. So we go to this concert, and during the show, uh, the the band is playing one of the, the lead singles off their new record at the time, and uh, the song was Into the Mystery. And if you've never heard it, the the chorus, part of the chorus, really simply just says, I just want to be loved by you. And I remember, (laughs) I remember that night just lifting my hands really simply and just repeating that as almost a type of prayer um, and I think it just captured so much this feeling that I'd had all summer long that, God, I just, I just want to be loved by you. Like, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I don't know that I know how to do this in any real way, in any good way, in any way that's going to make any sense to anybody. And I feel like I'm just going to disappoint a ton of people because of some of my decisions and because of like some of the conclusions that I've drawn and and some of the, I don't know, opinions that I hold now about theology and about the church and about all of these connected and and related issues that, God, I feel like I'm going to lose a lot of people. And I just, I want to be loved by you. I just want to know that no matter who goes, no matter who stays, that you're going to be there. And I don't know how else to say it except that 
that night I really did uh, legitimately feel like I had the firmest sense that 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 was right, that God was going to be there with me, no matter what conclusions I came to. And that was so comforting. And that was a source of so much, so much comfort going from that into the new year, into 2022. And I think 2022, I think the best thing I could say about 2022, it wasn't a bad year by any means, but I think the best thing I could say is that it was a year of stabilizing a lot of internal things and moving a lot of internal um, realities into kind of my external life. And so, for example, uh, 2022 last year was the year that I formally moved and in moving to Tulsa, uh, formally moved is kind of an interesting way to think about it. But I mean, in my mind, I had been heading that way for a long time and I essentially formalized a kind of geographical move um, because an emotional move had, had pretty much already occurred and I knew that that's where I was heading, but I hadn't actually physically relocated yet. Um, but I really felt like this, uh, this, this time was right. The season was right and it happened really quickly. And uh, I'm not honestly sure how much of that story I want to tell because some of that story is, I mean, still deeply emotional for me and still deeply uh, emotional for a ton of other people. Um, and I think what's, what's been really challenging and what has been really complex is telling my story without telling other people's and telling this story in a way that doesn't stomp on other people's story and, or, um, misreport or misidentify certain moments. And I, I've tried to be very careful. And so I, I certainly don't want here at the very end, kind of wrapping this up, I definitely don't want to undo some of the goodwill that I may have established, but um, I'll try to be respectful as I kind of tell this story. So, um, nearing the end of 2022, it was, uh, it had been a tough year for a number of reasons, but the context is I am still serving on staff. I am still living with my parents and I am still, uh, in all, by all appearances, uh, apostolic, Pentecostal, whatever you want to say. And I felt deeply, deeply uncomfortable for a number of reasons. I mean, primarily because I was attending somewhere where I no longer believed in some of the core uh, doctrine or theological impulses that were being taught and were being preached. And it just, it made me uncomfortable. And so I knew that that just... It was kind of making the best of a situation that um, I was kind of in, and I, I didn't necessarily want to be in it, but also for a lot of 2022, I also kind of felt like um, I had to be there for some reason, and that I hadn't quite reached this point where I could leave, and that may be difficult for a lot of people to understand, and uh, I wish I could say that it's clearer to me, but uh, I legitimately did not feel like I had uh, the opportunity to leave and that I felt like there was still something for me to learn there and that in many ways, spiritually, I was still supposed to be there in some way. Um, there's a lot of that I don't understand. I'd just be 
completely honest with you. There's a lot of that I don't understand, and in some ways, I feel like I I did a lot of damage by staying way longer than I should have, and and who who's to say honestly? I really couldn't tell you. But um, finally, in in August, in earnest, I started looking for jobs in Tulsa with the intention of relocating. Um, I'd been looking for like remote jobs previously because. Um, I'd lost my job. I'd been working for this um, very, very large multinational corporation, and uh, they had a series of layoffs that were related to COVID-19, and I was generously gifted a a severance package um, and had the opportunity to spend a lot of time at home, which was wonderful, really, because it really allowed me to spend a ton of time with family and a lot of time with friends and was honestly a blessing in disguise and one of those things that I didn't think a lot about at the time, but looking back, some of those moments uh, just wouldn't have been possible, would not have been possible if I would have been working eight to five every day. So I started looking for in-person jobs in Tulsa and in August, I, that really became my focus, and my intention was to move in March of the following year, or March of 2023. And uh, in late September, I identified an opportunity and thought I was mildly qualified for it, and I applied for it. And somehow, I got a second interview, and then I got a third interview, and then on the third interview, they offered me the job, surprisingly. Uh, They allowed me to push my start date back about a month, a month and a half, I think. And so suddenly I was a month out from moving, which was not my plan originally, but it became my plan pretty quickly. And so over the course of something like 46 days, maybe less than that, um... I came up here to Tulsa, identified kind of you know my uh, place of residence, I signed a lease, I set up utilities, I did all kinds of stuff, and then just started getting things in order, you know, packing up, saying goodbyes, having conversations with people, and doing all the things you do right before you make a move like that, especially a, a, a move as massive as this, I mean, a across uh, state lines, the only time I've ever lived on my own, the only time uh, I'd really ever had a move that I could remember. (laughs) You know, I'd moved as uh, a kid, but it had been multiple years, and obviously it was not just me moving, it was my family moving with me, and so it was a really emotional time, and there was a lot of just really intense discussions and people with a lot of honest and good questions. And a lot of questions that I felt like I couldn't answer. Uh, in the uh, during that time, I think I decided that what would be the best would be to keep some of the change about my religious beliefs somewhat private, mostly as a way to smooth my exit and as a way to hopefully help my last moments there with everybody be peaceful and be joyful and not be mournful and and not cause confusion or anger or sadness, but be a type of going away that would be positive and would be remembered in a, in a good way. And then later when I was kind of on my own, I would slowly start to 
just be myself, you know, and just kind of unveil my theology. And obviously, I'd be attending a different church, and so people would find out naturally. Um, but it was not my intention to kind of stand up in the middle of the church I attended and go, hey, you guys, I just have this major announcement. I'm I'm leaving, and it's because I have changed my mind, and I now think a lot of the stuff that I used to believe is no longer true, and I love all you guys, but I'm just going to have to get going because this is just not working for me, and I also feel like I'm called to Tulsa, and I really feel like I need to be there right now, so I love you guys, and I'll, <laughs> I'll see you soon, I guess. It's really not what I wanted to do. Having said that, I have I've spent a lot of time thinking about those last few months, and again, I'm trying to be very careful with how I talk about some of this stuff because there are there are real wounds that were created by a lot of this. And I think I'm self-aware enough to say that some of that could been could have been averted by me. And in some ways, I knew at the time that I was handling it handling it the best that I knew how at the time. I think looking back, was that the best way to handle it? I don't know. <laughs> um, I really don't. I think there, there's pros and there's definite cons. Uh, I'll say this: there were a ton of, ton of people that got caught up in the crossfire of all that, and a ton of people that got hurt. And obviously, it was not my intention for people to get hurt in that. Um, but there were a ton of people who felt like they were deceived, and who felt in many ways like it was a type of bait and switch. Um, who felt like I was running away from my problems, some people who really believed and honestly believed that I was just attempting to get good grace and then kind of give people the middle finger once I was away from them and had the opportunity. And I can say that I understand how that, uh, how that looked, but that my intention was... Um, to only ever give a sort of grace to people in the finding out, in kind of the uncovering of all of this stuff. And understandably, some of that, some of that would always have gotten lost in translation, and some of it did. Um, I can tell you that I have had the opportunity to talk to a ton of people since then. That's been almost a year ago in just over a week and a half, that will be one year ago, and I've had an opportunity to talk to a ton of people about that period, and I've done my fair share of listening, and I'll say this, and then I'll move on to something else, but if if you're listening to, to this show today, and you're one of those people that was very close to me at the time, and all of a sudden, I'm gone. All of a sudden, I'm out of the state, and I have left and have seemingly decided on the trip over to Oklahoma that I no longer believe any of the things that merely one week ago I believed. I want to say that I truly never, never wanted to deceive or cause controversy or harm to anyone. I only wanted to do what I thought was best at the time, 
which was to give people grace to remember me a certain way and only remember good times between us and not uh, bad water, not um, tough conversations, but to have a, a type of um, a type of happy memory of perhaps our our last moments uh, together in that in that context. You know, obviously, I, I've seen many of those people again, but in that context. But I I certainly would have. Uh, would have never wanted to cause any degree of hostility or harm or even bad feelings. And I'm, I'm also aware that some of that is uh, impossible to go back and fix now. And I know that's kind of heavy, but that's, that's just the, the truth of the matter. That's just kind of where we are. And it was always going to be tough. It just was. I mean, I was born and raised in a very close environment with a ton of people that were very invested in me and were very invested in my future and believed a lot of things about that future. And a lot of things about that future involved me being Pentecostal and involved me being a certain type of Christian. And when those things didn't pan out, disappointment happens. And I don't even blame people for being disappointed because I probably would have felt the same way. And so I understand that. And I also understand people being confused. And I more than understand people asking questions. I think there's nothing wrong with any of that. I think all those are normal emotions and all those are very human emotions to have. And I hope one day to be able to sit with anybody who still has questions or who is still confused or who is maybe still disappointed. And I hope to be able to answer some questions and hopefully give some clarity and maybe, I don't know, maybe sway and, and help allay some of that disappointment. I don't know. Um, but I will say there was some real grace in my leaving. So my then, or now former pastor, I suppose, now former pastor, was incredibly, incredibly gracious the entire process. He was one of the first people that I was um, very, very open about why I was leaving and didn't just say, you know, I'm leaving for a job, but I was very open and said, you know, I'm leaving primarily because I feel like I need to go because I am dropping a lot of uh, religious kind of ideas and I don't want to cause a stir. And furthermore, I also really feel like Tulsa is a fresh start and a clean start and a kind of a clean break for me. And I sort of shared a lot of really personal details with him over one uh, conversation over an afternoon. And he was incredibly gracious and very understanding. He was everything that I could have hoped for in that moment. And I have said to him privately what i will say publicly is i gained and still do have so much respect for him and the way that he handled my soul during those days because it was so fragile and it meant so much to me that he was so careful was so deliberate with everything he said and with everything he did in not only that time but in the days and in the weeks after i think there were a ton of things that were up in the air at that time, but 
him and his support and his just generosity was and is so unbelievably massive to me and it still is it even now more than almost almost a year later i guess i'm still blown away by it and it still many times brings tear to my tears to my eyes to think about but it was tough and in in leaving you have to say a ton of things and you have to say goodbye and sometimes to relationships that you know just aren't going to survive the the drive aren't going to survive the kind of the distance and there's relationships you hope to and and I'm I'm glad to say that a lot of relationships did indeed survive that distance and you have to have certain conversations that maybe you thought you had a long time before you had to have them and you suddenly have to have them right then and right there and there's just uh so much of so much of your kind of being that you suddenly feel like you are able to share completely and and just tell certain things about yourself and say this this is a part of who I am and and I want you to know about this and that's special it's also harrowing and it's also very scary but I'm glad again for the people that listened and people that did not uh, did not speak too quickly but who listened and who were open and who just accepted what I told them and did not go, but what about, did you consider this? Or I, I actually don't know about that. Maybe, maybe rethink this. Uh, I actually remember when I told James, uh, who I've had on this uh, show before and who I've mentioned before, when I told him, he was beyond understanding. I I don't know that. I have ever expressed to him how much it meant to me that one of the first things he said was, well, Ethan, regardless, regardless of where you go to church or even if you go to church, just know that I love you and and I'm always here for you. So simple and yet so impactful and so, so meaningful. Um, so, and there were tons of moments like that with so many people, and I don't want to go through and, and share a lot of really intimate conversations that I had with a ton of really special people, but I'm glad to say that the vast majority of people in my life, when I shared with them about leaving the, the Pentecostal church and about leaving the apostolic faith, they were deeply understanding and very gracious to me. So, I I'd certainly... I'm grateful for that. Now, obviously, it was now at that time when I had to decide where to go to church, and, and thankfully, I had been researching long before I formally left, and long before I relocated to Tulsa, I'd kind of had an idea. So, going back several episodes, maybe two or three episodes now, I mentioned Jonathan Martin, who I now am able to call a friend and a mentor. He had a podcast several years ago that I've referenced that uh, I'd been listening to. And at the time, when I first started listening to that podcast, he had mentioned that he was the pastor, or the teaching pastor, rather, teaching pastor at a church in Tulsa called Sanctuary. 
So when I began to realize that eventually I would be relocating to Tulsa, I decided, you know, let me let me look at the the landscape. Let me see what all uh, kinds of churches there are, and uh, let me see if sanctuary is still around, and if sanctuary is even the kind of place where I might where I might want to go. Because who knows? It's been several years. They may have changed, and it may not be the kind of place that I'd I'd want to be. So. I uh, I went to their website and just kind of looked at the statement of faith. I looked at the leadership. I looked at uh, some pictures that they had posted. I watched several services, and just over the course of several weeks, it just became clear that uh, we were just clicking. Like we were just on the same path. We were just on the same wavelength, and I just really connected with the church. But you know, you you always want to wait before you commit to a church until you actually go visit in person. Or at least that's the way I am. I don't know if anybody else is, is that way, but that's the way that I am. Because to me, so much can change from the live stream to actually being there in person. I don't know how many times I've watched a church service like online and then have gone in into the actual building and, and been a part of the service. And I, I'm just looking around. This is such a different spot. This is such a different environment. And the, the vibes are so different here. I would have never imagined this is like that. And this, I don't know, it's just it's a very different beast. So... And maybe keep that in mind. If you're ever like church shopping and, and kind of looking for a different place to go, go visit it. It's worth going in person before you make that final decision. So my first or my second Sunday here, I went to Sanctuary and my now fiance, Rebecca, was with me. And I remember when we walked through the door and I just looked around and I looked at her, I said, this is a good start. We're, this feels like a church. This looks like a church. This doesn't just look like a, a big office complex. Um, I, don't know, I don't know when this kind of architectural trend for churches started where basically all modern churches just kind of look like office buildings, but it's, it's terrible. It just it looks not good at all. And I was so glad when I pulled up in the parking lot and I said, wow. Sanctuary looks like a sanctuary. It actually looks like a church. This is fantastic. But I walked in, and during the worship, um, I just I kept feeling like this is this is right up my alley. It felt very Pentecostal. It also felt very liturgical, and they're within the Anglican Communion, which I loved. And I might talk a little bit more about what exactly that means in just a few minutes, but. There was just so much that I loved, and by the end of service, I looked at her and I said, oh yeah, this is this is the spot, without a doubt, this is the place. So as I mentioned, they're a part of the Anglican Communion. They're a part of a organization or communion called the Communion of Evangelical Episcopal Churches, and they are affiliated with the Anglican Communion, as I said. Now, the Anglican Communion traces its roots back to the Church of England. Now, probably the most prominent example of the Anglican Communion here in the U.S. is going to be the Episcopal Church USA. And the Anglican Communion as a whole is built on several bedrock principles, uh, things like the Book of Common Prayer, uh, which is a type of breviary or prayer book that basically forms the... I heard someone just say this recently, the scaffolding or basically the general outline of a worship service and really informs the way that people worship, they preach, and they teach within uh, kind of a service setting every single week. And 
I had first been made aware of the Anglican Communion via the Book of Common Prayer years ago, I was, I want to say a books, a book, of, books a million maybe it was either books a million or Barnes and Noble was one of the one of the two, and I remember I was looking at prayer books and I came across the BCP or the Book of Common Prayer, and just flipping through the pages. This was years ago. I would have been maybe, maybe sixteen years old, not very old at all, but I was immediately just taken with the language I was taken with the just earnestness of the the worship the the prayers were so beautifully written and they just felt so from the heart and they had this timeless quality to them and even though they were historic they felt so fresh and they still had this kind of energy to them and they were enlivening and they were engaging and they just they were meant to be prayed every day like that that was the feeling that i got they were meant to be prayed every day and even then i was young and so i mostly just appreciated them uh from like an academic perspective um but they were it was still in kind of the back of my mind as i was getting older then especially as, as i began to be aware of things like the episcopal the episcopal church usa um i used to say things like i would join the episcopal church tomorrow if they would just let me raise my hands every once in a while um, and just kind of be broadly Pentecostal because that's just kind of my energy. Uh, I've had a lot of respect and a lot of love for the Episcopal Church for a number of years, and that's for a ton of reasons. That's due to I love the theology, the openness, the emphasis on love, and the emphasis on social justice, and so many of these things that are just right up my alley. They've been doing a whole lot of things right for a very very long time that combined with the very rich liturgy or the worship style just being deeply moving and historic but but also very um very relevant it just felt like the kind of the kind of communion the kind of group uh, or faith tradition that i would just love to be a part of and uh, my experience with the anglican communion uh funny enough starts actually many years ago so uh several several years ago me and my family we were visiting my uncle in london and we actually showed up at the westminster abbey and we sat through one of the services at westminster abbey which if you're not aware is a church that's affiliated with the church of england and so it's it's an anglican church and we sat through one of the worship services, and it was an abbreviated worship service, but still a worship service at Westminster Abbey in order to tour the church because it's historic and it's very beautiful. And I, I don't know if they still do this, but back in the day, if you just went to church on Sunday after the service, you know, people are filing out, you can look around the church. And so I actually have the ability to say that my first time ever worshiping in an Anglican setting was at Westminster Abbey. Uh, which I, I found kind of funny as I get older and I start to recognize and realize the significance of that particular church um, and basically everything that it has meant over the years. And I, I might have a later episode where I kind of dig deeper into what it, exactly it means to be an Anglican and some of that history. It's it's very interesting. I will say it's much, much bigger uh, than just the Church of England, and it's much bigger than... 
uh, just the Episcopal Church USA here. It is a wonderful tradition with a lot of beautiful history and so much stuff that I could get lost talking about. But be that as it may, sanctuary finds itself within that tradition. And while also being deeply influenced by the Pentecostal movement, which obviously I have quite a bit of influence myself in that, and so the moment that I showed up, it just it just felt like home. And every every time that I'm there, I, I find new ways that it just seems to fit my soul just rightly. Not not long ago, I was thinking about this song by the Beatles, and uh, this may be an interesting way to close. I'm not sure if this is maybe what you're anticipating for kind of my closing remarks here, but I was thinking how I wanted to wrap some of this up, but I thought a lot about, so I don't know that I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure why I would, but I love the Beatles so much. I've been a fan of the Beatles for years and years and years. And one of my favorite songs by the Beatles is All You Need Is Love. And this song, to me, is maybe one of the most beautiful love songs that's ever been written. And I think it says so much about what it means to truly love someone and about belonging and about being included and it just has always resonated so deeply with my soul. And there's a couple of lines that have uh, have always really felt special to me and, and meaningful. And I think I think they may be meaningful to you too. And I think this is how I want to how I want to end by reading some of these to you. But one of these lines that I don't know for years has just been a been a type of comfort to me is there's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. And that may be very simple, and it is, but it is also deeply true and so profound that there is nowhere that you can be that is not exactly where you're supposed to be. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know if maybe you're heading out the door on faith. I don't know if maybe you're entering in and maybe deconstruction has um, has closed for you and maybe you found yourself in a period of reconstruction like I did, maybe rebuilding. Maybe you're finding that same uh, in the words of Brian Zond. Maybe you're finding that water-to-wine experience like myself and like so many others have done, going from one tradition into another and finding depth and richness and wholeness in it. Maybe that's your story, or maybe maybe you're still looking, or maybe you've found that, you know, I don't really know that, that this is all for me, and I think that maybe there could be something to this, but I just don't know that this is for me right now. Wherever you are, whatever all this means to you, and wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, and there's so many places to be, none of us have figured it out. And that's been kind of the difficulty for me telling this story is because I don't want to give the false impression that I've arrived somehow and that I've figured everything out. I am 
just 24 years old. I'll be turning 25 this year, and I'm still very young, and I'm still learning so, so much every single day, and I would never even begin to suggest to you that I have arrived in any significant way. I am still learning and growing and finding out so much, not only about myself, but about other people and about how the world works every day. But the one thing I know to tell you is there's nowhere you can be that isn't right exactly where you're supposed to be. And I hope that's comforting to you because it has been so comforting to me that when I don't know where I am, that I don't know how this works together, and I don't know how all this is going to make sense in the end, I just remind myself, this is where I'm meant to be in some weird way. And I think the rest of it will all work out in the end. I don't know how, but I think it all works out in the end. And I hope you do too. I'll see you real soon. Thank you so much for listening to part seven of Water to Wine, A Journey of Faith and Self-Discovery. Thank you so much for sticking with me through these last seven episodes. And I hope that this was enjoyable for you. I hope that this was in some way impactful. And if it was impactful, if you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this show with your friends and your family on social media. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys so much sooner than you think.